Welcome back to the podcast. We know many of you were expecting this uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe not many of you, at least Todd's uh, parents and my mine, parents uh, have been waiting for this episode to drop on what is Lent. Uh, we recognize it's a little late, but we believe it's an important topic to talk about. Uh, what is Lent? Why is Lent? What are the themes of Lent? And why do we take it seriously? Uh, we're excited to get back together. We always have fun doing this. We hope you uh, find it edifying and help you grow in your formation. Uh, we're actually uh, welcoming Brian Copeland with us for the first time ever. Woo! Yay, Brian. Thank you. We're excited about that, but I recognize that there are many of you who have no idea who Brian Copeland is. Oh, that's a shame. And you should. Yeah. So Teddy's going to tell you more about Brian and why he's here. Yeah. So Brian Copeland uh, came to First Church back in 2015. Is that right, Brian? That's about right. Yeah. Back in 2015, as he had uh, just moved to Wilmore for seminary, mm. uh, we when we started our fellows program, I took our model for fellows to Brian and said, hey, we're, uh, we're advertising to incoming seminarians. What do you think about this? When you were coming into seminary, would you have done this? And he said, well, I would have, but I really don't like this program because you're making it only for incoming seminarians, and I think that you should let me in. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I told him no. Uh, it didn't work, and he fought his way in and said, I think this makes sense. And so Brian's been uh, our offerings fellow for the past two and a half years. Uh, We said when we started this fellows program that we wanted people to start wherever they could. If they were sweeping floors at the beginning, that's what they would do. And we were hoping they'd move into more of a leadership role over the course of their next four or five years. Uh, Brian, well, you do sweep floors, but you've always done it. Yes. And he does more than that. We value that. But from day one, he was doing far uh, bigger things than that. And uh, he's also moving into a bigger role than we had even put put in front of him at that time. Uh, this summer, Brian will become the, the lead pastor for offerings uh, over the next year. And uh, that's because I'm going away, in case you didn't know that. Uh, but then I'll say, where are you going, Teddy? Teddy's What? What? Guess what? <laughs> so I'll, I'll be away for about a year and, uh, and uh, very excited to have Brian leading during that time. So he's with our pastoral team a lot right now. Thank you. Yes, it's a huge honor and I appreciate it. So now it's trial by fire. We throw him uh, straight from uh, lunch at Sawyer's into this room where we're going to actually talk about the great mysteries of Lent. Uh, and so, yeah, what is Lent? Brian. <laughs> Lent. Uh, what is the first thing on the page here? It is a period, Todd. It's like 40 days, I think, that leads up to Easter. It starts after Ash Wednesday. And it's a period in which uh, we... Mortify the flesh. Is that the correct theological term? Mortify, Mortify the flesh. Is That's that, great. Mortify. Is that, doing is good? that on this? So far, so good. And, uh, you know, people can adopt certain spiritual practices to, uh, to keep them on the path toward the cross at Easter. So Brian actually summed up my entire sheet. sheet we're done. And in one sentence. Um, Thank you, I, I think you actually hit, really, the direction where we're going. Uh, that Lent, first of all, is a season, right? It's... Uh, uh, season, it's got this idea of inward transformation, there are some practices associated with it, and some high points along the way. I think those are the parts I heard you talk about. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the church calendar, where does it fit, and like, what, what does it actually uh, uh, look like, Todd? Todd? Carol? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> this, is, is this my turn? This is your yeah, turn. it begins after Epiphany, <laughs> and it ends before uh, Pentecost, or actually before Easter time. <laughs> It's somewhere in there. You're asking the formerly Reformed Baptist to talk about Lent, which Who's is... also on antibiotics. Well, that's so. true, too. Um, <laughs> so, Teddy, you're talking to me about uh, I'm, Lent I'm getting there. there. <laughs> I'm getting there. So, uh, it is, as Brian has already mentioned, 
It's a season of time that starts at Ash Wednesday. That was your question, right? So where the does it fit in the yeah. calendar part? Yeah. So it's typically a few weeks after the beginning or the beginning of the year, and it is a, a period of time that leads up to Easter. Now, Easter is a floating holiday in the Christian experience. So it's the first, it, it happens basically after the first full moon of the vernal equinox. Is it the vernal equinox? Spring. You got four people looking at you the, like, we don't know. Spring e- it has the, something to do with the moon. When, I know when, that when, much. When springtime hits, it's the first full moon um, a- after that, and then it, it is in that period. And then you basically count back from that, and then you begin Ash Wednesday. So, Which is how Epiphany is different lengths each year, not Lent and Easter. Correct. Yeah. So literally we build everything off that, that Easter date, uh, back up through Holy Week, and back up all the way to Ash Wednesday. And so really we, we talk about Lent being Ash Wednesday to the Wednesday of Holy Week, right? That something different happens beginning Monday, Thursday. So how does Ash Wednesday kind of kick us off with all this, Teddy? Can we talk a little bit? I mean, we've all experienced it recently. Well, we hope everybody's experienced it recently, but um, let's, let's start with Ash Wednesday and work our way into, into Lent. Yeah, so Ash Wednesday is the first of the, the 40 days of Lent, and uh, we have Sundays, too, that aren't counted as part of that. So we have, we have 40 days plus the Sundays. Uh, that begins with Ash Wednesday with this uh, reminder that uh, from dust we are, and to dust we will return, which is a, a very strange sort of announcement to be made, uh, especially in, in the church that's a place full of hope, right? And uh, this this reminder um, of our mortality, this uh, reminder of our brokenness, uh, of our desperation for God. That that really, uh, apart from God, we are we're dust. Uh, I mean, and we have that from Genesis two forward, right? That God takes dust from the earth and breathes into it the breath of life, and and without the breath of life coming from God, that's all that we are. Uh, I think it then prepares us. Uh, to enter a season that we call a season of fasting. We really, um, uh, is, so in medical terminology, we're either fasting or feasting. We're in a fasted or a feasted state, right? Um, and uh, we, we've either, our body's been deprived of food or it is full of food. And uh, these seasons in the church of fasting, uh, they come after these long seasons that you see of the people of God where they um, usually are in crisis. They're in despair. They've had really bad news just announced to them, and they fast. And uh, we recognize in the church calendar just in general, it uh, it follows a lot of the same themes as our scriptures follow. Uh, and so you, you have these certain seasons of fasting where we recognize as a people over and over that... Um, um, certain bad news has been announced to us that we are dust and that we are frequently uh, separated from our God by our world and our actions. And uh, it's a call to, to grief and lament and, uh, and, and to consider ourselves. It's it's also a call to, um, to actually bring others into the church. Um, that anyone who's fallen away, that this would be a time that we would invite them back in, uh, a, a time for sinners, if you will. The Kind of the trope of Lent is a time where you uh, uh, you give something up, right? Like that's all it's about is you just, you give up chocolate, you give up candy, uh, you give up. Now it's social media or your favorite Netflix show to binge watch, right? Uh, I love sitting in a room, especially with someone like Carol, whose heart is always towards spiritual formation and transformation. 
uh, that we talk about these disciplines not as a thing to just fulfill a, a check mark, but as a way of actually having transformation. I love that our Ash Wednesday uh, psalm is always Psalm 51, this idea of creating me a clean heart. Can you talk a little bit about uh, even how Ash Wednesday sets us up for these spiritual disciplines and the sure. practice of them? Sure. So I know several years ago, it hit me that it, giving something up for Lent was not just this idea of, oh, look, I can go without chocolate for 40 days. Um, mm-hmm. That it was during those times that I would have been doing whatever it was. So if you give up social media, if you give up watching a TV show, if you um, give up food for a certain amount of time, um, that we should be practicing the means of grace during that time, that it is a time that we spend in prayer, that we spend studying the scriptures, that it's, it's not just a look at how good I am. I gave something up and I can do this and, and I can check that off. Um, and so the whole, this whole idea of this season is that we're repentant, that we are seeking transformation, um, that we're coming together. Um, I mean, I, I think of, um, the early church and how people were prepared for baptism and membership, that it is this time of, of growing in our faith and, and learning more about, I mean, the whole, throughout the whole of Lent, we study the life of Jesus and what Jesus, while on earth, how he led and taught and, um, as he prepared for the crucifixion. Um, and so we're doing that. We are looking at the life of Jesus throughout this season and saying, okay, how can I be more like Jesus? Um, how can I spend time um, in relationship with God and with one another so that I can be transformed? And so instead of just saying, um, I gave up watching, um, well, so my son and I are watching on Disney Plus right now, Boy Meets World. So let's just say, instead, of, I gave up Boy Meets World, and so instead of that, I'm going to watch this other show, right? I mean, what good did that do then? I gave up one show to watch another. I didn't I didn't take time that would have been spent watching this specific show, so... I gave up chocolate, but I sure ate a lot of potato chips. Right, right. right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can remember one year mom and I giving up chocolate and going to Dairy Queen and ordering the largest peanut butter shake we could or what it was. I mean, what did that do? Um, So, yeah, we... It is a time to be used um, in the means of grace. It is a time... It's a sacrifice. I mean, we're, we're looking at the ultimate sacrifice at the end of this Lenten season, as we come into Holy Week, we look at the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. And so the little bit of sacrifice that we could do during this time should be used then to be in community with, with Jesus. So experiencing the means of grace as the means of grace, not as a right. task. Right. Um, yeah. I love that uh, Ash Wednesday uses the, the Matthew six text that we, we preached on this year of um, where Jesus condemns folks for, uh, the wrong posture in fasting and prayer and giving. Um, so I want to speak to kind of where you landed even with that text and, and this idea of uh, approaching the means of grace, uh, not as a task or as something uh, for self-promotion, but as a, a way of encountering God's grace. Todd's the only one who preached on it, so he might be the one who landed. I did, I did but it was my worst wow. sermon I've ever preached <laughs> I'm sure that's not the Brad case. Brad Rudolph confirmed it. Yeah, you, you preached worse. <laughs> I was just going to say, we, we'll, we'll, decide, 
we'll decide that. The worst one, the worst one, Andover. We don't count those. For, we don't count those first board offerings. So, so tell me what was so bad about that. I, I changed my intro as I was walking up to preach. Nice, um, and that just set the whole thing off. Yeah. Twice I had to actually stop and ask people to pronounce a word I couldn't remember how to pronounce. It's like okay, it's it, it is a community thing. So I, I did preach on this, uh, Matthew six, and I got captured by this idea that rewards. And and have gone back and forth uh, with a couple of folks about re- it says that we get rewarded for how we practice the means of grace that that there's benefit there's tangible benefits for us to do prayer and fasting and giving alms and then you could just you know I don't think Jesus meant to have an exhaustive list in, in Matthew six but it really was this represent representative list and that that we should expect to be changed. If we're doing it for an audience of one, and I think Jesus is absolutely just clear about that, like, look, if you're doing it just to be recognized, you're going to be recognized, and yay for you, but don't expect that these true benefits are going to be there. And and I really got thinking about what what benefits did did Paul throughout his writing, you know, kind of raise up, and 1 Corinthians 13 is where I've landed, faith, hope, and love. As we practice the means of grace faith, hope, and love grow in our lives. Mm -hmm. And how awesome is that? I love how both you and Carolyn have pointed us to uh, something about Lent that I I didn't hear most of my life. Most of my life, Lent was about uh, just simply the denial side Mm -hmm. and about the avoidance of evil side. Um, A lot of my thinking of Lent is drawn from Robert Weber's Ancient Future Time book, and uh, he talks about Lent being the season of uh, baptismal spirituality. Uh, and so uh, I've pulled from our, our baptismal our baptismal liturgy. Um, you know, we tend to think of Lent in terms of, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, whatever forms that present themselves? Uh, most of my life, I didn't hear Lent with this question. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him with your heart and union with the church where Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races. Mm-hmm. I love that Weber points that Lent isn't just the avoidance of evil, but it's also that full trust in Jesus as Christ, right? And can y'all talk about that as part of Lent and in your experience there? I do think that several years ago, when I was starting to practice Lent for the first time, it was something about what can I take away and what um, what can I do without that will lead me to prayer. Um, lately, more recently, this year especially, I... I'm thinking more about um, the dust-to-dust part and thinking about how uh, an illusion of Mm self-sufficiency and how um, we are prone to, how I am prone to be my own savior at times and the things that I acquire and the things that I reflect on and think about that reinforce that that lie, that notion. So... um, I try to not only uh, read a little more scripture, but but take time away from, for me, it's YouTube. Take a little time away from YouTube in the morning and uh, be mindful, be reflective, be, be thinking about the ways um, in which I can trust Jesus to be my Lord. Oh, you like teed that up perfectly. It's not even on the agenda, but... Years ago, Todd brought up the question to some candidates for ministry, what does it mean that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't even let me talk about how that question plays out for them and for this Lenten, Lenten season. Yeah, I think it's easy for us at times, or easier, I should say, to embrace Jesus as Savior. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, yeah. what, what is Jesus doing for me, and it's free, and it is, it is this gift. But there's, a, there's two sides to that, which is, what does it mean for Jesus to be our Lord, and that for our life to be wrapped around his teaching, his modeling, his life, not just ours. And I think that's even, it's, it's not just us, us uh, a walking behind Jesus, but participating actively in everything that he does. And, and for me, it's the lordship that, that has been the, the, the peace that continues to grow in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, early on, the Savior peace felt, and, and not that it's mission accomplished, but I mean, that it is, that I felt like I could grasp. But this whole Lord thing is, <laughs> is a whole different thing. And, and Brian mentioned it, and I think, I think part of the reason the Lordship becomes difficult is that um, he mentioned the word practice Lent. And none of us like to be beginners. None of us like to be novices. All of us like to be accomplished. I think it was Thomas Merton said, let us, let us hope to never be anything but beginners mm-hmm. because that's the posture that really makes for transformation. Mm-hmm. You say regularly, whether it's in a sermon or at the beginning of worship or something that Jesus loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us just as we are. And I think that's where the Lord part comes in. Jesus loves us and saved us. Um, and we live in that salvation, but, but as we let Jesus be Lord of our lives, it requires work and transformation that we have to be willing to submit to. And, and we don't like to do that. It's, it's hard work sometimes. It's painful sometimes. It's um, as the old is chipped away, as, as the false narratives are. We get refined with fire, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think, yeah, it's the potter and, and the molding and, the, and it's, yeah. I think it's interesting, the whole Lord and Savior thing, because I think there are two groups of people. I, I think in general, um, some of us are very quick to ask for help, maybe even quicker than we should be, like at times that we need to work a little harder on our own. And some of us are too slow to ask for help. Yeah. And people are like, hey, why didn't you ask last week before you ended up here, right? And and I think that even like with the, the Lord and Savior, I think uh, there are some people who are quick to accept Christ as their Savior, but they would like to preserve lordship over their lives. And then there are other people, and, you know, as we've been preaching on things like, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, and, and even just speaking these to people and saying, Jesus didn't say you ought to be, you should be, you should be ashamed for not being, but just you are, and and the, the Beatitudes, all of these, you're blessed, and God is with you, and you are loved. And uh, I've had so many good conversations after that with people saying, I've struggled to believe it for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hear you, I can pass the test. Mm-hmm but I've struggled to believe it for me. And it's almost like for them, they've recognized that Jesus is Lord and they've really struggled to believe that he's actually a savior, mm-hmm. that, that wow. they're, they're trying to work it out for themselves still. And, and it's this real struggle. And, and this is Lent. You are dust. Mm-hmm. He is Lord and savior, right? And a lot of times we want to cling to one or the other of those. And, and the only reason that we're more than dust is, is because he is Lord and savior. 
So, do you think that that's a result of of a shame based culture, or if it's what what what's preventing people from from receiving the free gift of salvation? Identity. Hmm. Um, so. I don't hear people struggling specifically with sin and guilt, but bigger identity question. Am I good enough? Mm. Like not just these things I've done, but me as a human being. And yeah, so related to shame and just an agony over, can God really love me? And I think this is something the church has to give. You know, we've talked about calling being something that we I think we have a word for our society that is different from everyone else's and I think more profound and stronger. And I think we have a word about identity too. And and this is, I mean, Jesus, before any commands, this is what he's doing. Like, you, you are blessed. You are salt. You are light. He's speaking to people's identities. Um, and in a world where you get to compare your identity to all the other social media personalities out there, to everyone telling you who you should be and what you should be ashamed of for having thought or done or your biology, um, that Jesus speaks good identity to us first. There's so. think some of that's even tied to our soteriology that, I mean, if you hear preached your whole life that uh, the way to be in relationship with God for eternity to go to heaven is to be good enough, to do good enough, um, that it ties behavior to ontology, to who we are. Um, I mean, that's the message I heard my whole life. So, I mean, the question of, of Jesus as Lord was what isn't even there. It was a question of, am I even saved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a daily prayer. I hope I've been good enough to be saved. Um, and so there was never even a turn to actually let Jesus take the will to quote one Carrie Underwood, right? Mm-hmm. Good Oklahoma gal. It it is this two sides of this coin, and they're both incredibly important. and And it's fascinating to me how sometimes you come down one side or the other, and it the Lord becomes more difficult, Savior becomes more difficult, and it it's this, this balance that we have to somehow keep. and And I don't I don't know how to do it well. Yeah. I, I don't. Know, and that's even in my own life. I don't know how to do it well. And so to, to even think, how, how do we help communicate that in a way that doesn't, you don't hear one thing and, and run with it and the other's not. I've, I've been convicted here lately about preaching law and grace because mm-hmm. I always come down on grace. I'm like, and yet I've really been convicted about, no, there's, there's a, a law piece. And I think that's back to Savior and Lord. It, it mm-hmm. truly is that, that same thing. It's interesting this morning and the study I'm leading, we spent a lot of time discussing um, who we relate more to Jesus as Lord or Jesus as incarnate human and, um, and how holding that mystery, that understanding that Jesus was fully human and fully Lord and, and how do we hold that intention and, and that it is a mystery. Um, our minds can't comprehend it's hard to think of Jesus. Um, there was a song we were listening to where Jesus scrapes his knee. You know, the, you know, as a little boy, did you scrape your knee and, and did you cry and need a Band-Aid? Well, of course, not a Band-Aid then. But, I mean, um, <laughs> but, you know, that the, this idea, and there's, there's somewhat of a, a beauty 
and thinking of of Jesus as as this little boy who was running and playing through the streets and and laughing and learning Hebrew. I mean, <laughs> Jesus who helped put the I mean as as part of the Trinity, I mean, he knows the scriptures and yet he's learning them as a, ch- a Hebrew child would, right? As a little Jewish boy would and and just that incredible I don't know, just holding that intention. And um, and we spent a lot of time talking about that. Like it, it's uh, Jesus is Lord of my life. And I, I can I can almost relate better to that than even as a human, Jesus is human. Yeah. And um, and so and and yet Jesus was fully human. For me, the turn has been my life at First Church. That as I began to hear this uh, message of sanctifying grace preached over and over again, that uh, Christ as Lord became something that was actually possible. Because before then, I had to be Lord of my own sin. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, that, that literally is the turning point for me. That I don't know how you do it without that. That uh, the turn is to appeal to God's grace. And then, as we are made holy, then uh, you can't help but to allow Christ to reign, right? Yeah. And, and that is so... like. Surely, in 28 years, somebody talked about this in my home church. Surely they did. But I swear I never heard about it until September 2011 at Offerings. Um, and I, maybe that's our, our gift to Lent is a different invitation into what it means to uh, even encounter Christ as Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah you're right. Sanct- sanctifying grace is both. It's Christ as Lord and Christ as Savior. And when people hear sanctifying grace in a negative way, it's because they're only hearing Lord. They're not hearing that he's Savior, just he's given us a, a heavy responsibility that we can surely not fulfill. And a lot of times if people hear Savior only, they just hear justifying grace. Uh, and, and it's a weak salvation with very little lordship. I love reading Wesley's material from after he was, uh, after his Aldersgate moment and after he knew that he was moving forward in sanctification because even the way he seems to write about the means of grace is much more life-giving and less of a task to earn. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's definitely my, my journey. Um, I, and I think that God honors, I know that God honors whatever way we come to the means of grace. And, and, and I think, I think it's, it's a maturity issue. And, and perhaps why we, we don't hear things in different seasons, in, in a particular season, is we're simply not there yet to even assimilate what that means. Mm-hmm. And, and, but but there, we do reach a time where we're like, oh, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And, and to, see our, to see our life in Christ as a, a move from infancy to maturity, from toddler to adulthood, to mothers and fathers of faith, which is really what Wesley called us to, disciples making disciples. To me, it, it starts to r- relieve me of a lot of baggage. And and my guess is that even some folks are listening today are like, I, I don't do Lent. I, I've not really gotten into it, or I've gotten into it just, it is legalistic, it is it is self-flagellation, it is not, it is not out of these other kind of broader what you learn even more beautiful ways of practicing. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess what, what for me was what took the weight off is God's ready to receive me wherever I am. Yes. 
and and the next step he'll take with me versus mm-hmm. me trying to have, have to figure it out. And I must like to leave that as our last word on Lent as a whole. I'd like to talk a little bit about the strange things that happens in Lent. Everybody who gave up Facebook shows back up on Sundays. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Sundays in Lent and what's different there and what's going on with all I that. I never knew that for it, the longest it time. It is a thing. I know, and I understand it, that all Sundays are little Easter's. They are little resurrection days because we celebrate the res. I mean, we this. live as a people who know that Jesus is resurrected. Mm-hmm. So I get that, but I had never heard that I could eat chocolate on Sundays. You can. You can. I did on Sunday. There you I'm go. just saying. You I hear. did. You heard it here first. Brian sold me Girl Scout cookies and they were in my kitchen. He is our dealer. <laughs> it's why we call Lent the uh, 40 days of Lent when it's 46. It's yeah, I never the, counted the days yeah. as a kid. If, if you I had was only just counted. Told. <laughs> so you went 46 days without I did. chocolate. That's awful. The finance the <laughs> team over here is like. We made a spreadsheet for this 10 years ago yeah. to figure out why the math didn't add up. <laughs> Done this audit. No, and and so we call it the 40 days of Lent because they're days of fasting. And we don't we don't fast on Resurrection Day. We feast. And so it can't be included. Eat your chocolate. <laughs> we hope that as you are going through this season of Lent that um, we know we're two weeks in, but there's still four weeks to go. Um, and we hope that you're looking for ways to let the spirit lead you to draw closer to God. Um, if you've given something up, we pray that it's a time of fasting, that it's a time of, um, prayer, that it's a time of, um, drawing closer and that if you, um, Maybe you've taken something on. Um, there's there's this idea that instead of just giving something up, that I'm going to read through the scriptures, that I'm going to pray more, or, or whatever that is, that as you um, dive into the means of grace, that you are transformed by the power of the Spirit. And um, join us next time as we look at Holy Week, as we move toward the cross. I'd love for, uh, for us to leave you with a prayer from uh, St. Ephraim the Syrian. I'd, I'd love if Brian would, uh, would pray this and uh, offer this as a blessing to you as you continue in Lent. O Lord, master of my life, take me from the spirit of sloth, faint-heartedness, lust of power, and idle talk. But give me rather the spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to my servant. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own errors and not to judge my brother, for thou art blessed unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.